Welcome to the media ministry of Crossroads Church Aspen. To learn more about Crossroads, visit our website at ccaspen.com. We hope you enjoyed this message by Pastor Steve Woodrow. We've got two more weeks um, this morning, and next week we'll finish this foundation series as we've been going through Genesis 1, 2, and 3. And uh, as we said through this whole thing, if we get Genesis 1, 2, and 3 wrong, the rest of Scripture we get wrong. In other words, that's how intimately tied, how many foundational principles to Christianity are found in those first three chapters of the Bible that connect all through the entire Bible, old um, and new. Next Sunday, we'll finish it up. Um, and then starting on uh, Labor Day weekend, we'll start a new series in 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, the letters of the epistles of John. And uh, our topic is, what is love? We're going to spend this fall just wrestling with what is love and uh, really diving in on that because there's a lot of confusion about um, that issue. So if you want to read ahead, we'll be in 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John starting uh, Labor Day weekend. So this morning, I just want to dive in uh, here um, on this big idea of assessing the world, self, and God, and uh, raising this issue. Um, we're going to be in, uh, if you have your Bibles with you, Genesis chapter 3, starting in verses 21 through 24, and then we'll leap ahead to Romans chapter 3, uh, starting in verse 9 um, this morning. So... Um, I think when it comes to assessing the world, self, and God is there is a sense in Scripture, right? We're called to examine ourselves constantly, examine ourselves if we're in the faith, examine our soul, examine our heart. There's so much out there today in, right, our our very therapeutic culture, right, that talks about how do I, what do I do, you know, for my self-care? And the reality is what Genesis with all the Scripture lays out for us is I, I can't have a right view of myself or the world and everything that's going on in the world unless I first have a right assessment of who God is. All these are intimately connected together. And so the journey, the first and most important aspect is my soul, is my heart, right, that we should be on, we should be pursuing. That's why we're doing Alpha and everything else is to help us understand God's a purpose he's given us as his children to be life givers as don't look up when you go out those doors right Romans 10 how beautiful are the feet of those who carry good news is to share what Jesus has done for us what Jesus has done for us our our heart and saving us and and when that reality comes over it impacts everything in our life it's the only way I can make sense by faith of the world and everything going on in the world, all of the tragedy, all of the things, and, and let's bring it down. It's the only way any of us can make sense of life, what happens to us, in, to, to our own life, in our families, and everything else, and in, in a community. And uh, when tragedies hit, when tough things hit, how do, we, how do we process? How do we make sense of that, right, in, in our life? Um, and so I want to just dive in this morning um, on this issue, we're going to talk about this issue, maybe you've heard about it before, it's called justification. In other words, just simply, it's how do I know if I'm right with God? How do I know I'm right with Him? How do I know I know Him? What happens at salvation? How am I saved? What happens, we talk about being saved, talk about being born again. Well, how do I know that that's happened, right? Um, we all have questions and uh, 
And when tough times hit, well, we have big questions. And, and I want to talk this morning about the, the, the right approach, right? And, and the temptations around all that. What do we do with these big questions so we can help ourselves understand how God sees us, his great love for us, even in the midst of the mess, so we can make sense of the world around us and the mess, right? And everything else that happens and be able to walk by faith, hold God's hand. And what does it mean to walk with God? I can't walk with God unless I know I'm right with him. And we all know that we come in and out of being right with him. We have battles with him. When something bad happens, we wrestle deeply, right? When something, um, you know, when we don't get certain prayers answered for future. I mean, we could go down the list of things. Faith is a wrestle. There's constant tests that are testing our faith. This is the life of faith. This is where we have brought to this place of, am I going to trust God? It really boils down to it's simple but profound. Am I going to trust God? And let's just step back. This is where it begins. Salvation happens when I come to a place of brokenness. I come and I'm not holding it. But God, look how good I am. Or I have nothing to hold before him. I am submitted to him in his courtroom, as we're going to see, in his presence, in his throne room. And I, I come before him and, and Lord, um, move God. Save me. Do something right in my heart. And it comes down, I just... Faith is, I, I, I trust you, Jesus. Who you are, who you say you are. I, I, I have to lay down my, my questions. I have to lay down my agenda, right? What I want. I can't impose it, right, on God's word or God. And, and, and that is tough work, is it not? Surrender. We hear about it all the time. It is then when God breaks through and we're going to take that journey um, I, I don't want to go on. I do want to address our, our dear family, the Clintonbergs over here. And maybe some of you have heard, but uh, last Thursday, one of our, our um, precious um, kiddos yeah, was accidentally killed. And Carson went to be with the Lord on Thursday. And when you're about to be a senior, folks, that's, that's about as big of a, a bump and wrestle in life that you can come. And so, Father, we just, we just ask now, Lord. Um, Lord, your word promises peace that surpasses all understanding. Lord, through the wrestle, through the anger, through all these things are natural. You welcome them, Lord. You are opened arms. We throw these big questions. Lord, um, Lord I, I've been wrestling. We've, uh, there's no way not to wrestle if you're going to deal honestly with your heart, Lord. And but what we do know, we stand upon your word and we do know, Lord, that in this world of tragedy and unexp- things that we just can't explain, God, that you are there and, and you are there to be a rock and to be our strength in the midst of it. And, and Lord, these are, are times of testing. These are times of bolstering. And this is times where we need arms holding us up, Lord, where we are beaten down by life. We need the fellowship of believers to love and care and pray and strengthen and uphold each other and lord i pray an outpouring god on this precious family and um lord for all the for all the kids and and lord the others who are just deeply wrestling god with this tragedy and um lord when we just can't explain something lord that when life moves and god we we come to you i ask now lord to do what only you can do i don't have the answers this is your word and god let your spirit come 
and power and breakthrough and faith and strength, Lord God, and comfort that only can come. Not the sorrow of the world that has no hope, but Lord, the comfort that comes from your people of faith, Lord. They have the assurance of hope and to know that Carson, Lord, he is in your loving arms, God. He is in the place we all long to be. And God, we take solace in that. We rest in that. Lord, comfort and strengthen, Lord, your people and his precious family now, God. We ask you to come, Holy Spirit, and do, do that work, Lord. In Jesus' name, Lord. In Jesus' name. So God bless you guys. And, um, what do we do? Genesis 3. Genesis 3. Starting at verse 21, this is just the end if you were with us, right? We know that uh, Adam and Eve made the, the, the tragic decision to take of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and the rest is, quote, literally history, right? We all come into this world with a breach, right, um, uh, when it comes to brokenness in our relationship with God. We need redemption, we need rescue, we need to... Um, uh, receive God's grace. And, and uh, the good news is that God, he didn't leave us here. He didn't leave. And let me just read this for us. Uh, and, and so we have a, an anchor of, of hope and understanding, right? And again, if you were here last week with us, we just see after they sinned, look at the gentleness of God as he, he's walking in the presence, right? Remember, they were walking and talking. This is what God desires for us. This is something when we're saved, we're, we're called into walk with God intimately and to know him. And he came in great gentleness to, to Adam. Where are you? Why are you hiding? And, and every single one of us is that is our general fleshly tendency is to hide, run and hide from God, not deal with the deep issues right in life that we're, we're wrestling with, but it's to run and hide and, and just to numb ourselves with all the, the things the world has to offer to, to distract us from really getting to that place where the real work of our heart and soul right is done in the presence of of God in his throne room, in his courtroom, as we're going to see in this forensic language of, of justification. And, um, and towards the end, verse 21 says, And the Lord God made for Adam and his wife garments of skins, and he clothed them. In other words, it was God who made the first sacrifice. This is one more picture in the very beginning of any Israelite reading this clearly knows because they lived under sacrificial system of the atonement, shedding of blood to forgive sins. It's the only way that God's presence, His Shekinah glory could exist in the camp was if God's people had that, that provision right for them. And we see God is the one who made the first sacrifice, giving this, this incredible picture, right, of He's got this. There's hope. There isn't just despair. He's got this. He... Uh, when the promise was, if you, when you do sin, you will die, is, um, that's speaking primarily of spiritual death. Well, God's got this. He's got the spiritual death. He's got the physical death. He resolved this ultimately in the sending of Jesus. No other person in all of history deals with all this. No other person of all of history has come and brought the truth and brought the answer to our sin, our shame, our guilt, to the big questions in life. No one but Jesus, and we see here a picture, right? It was the father, a little picture of, of someday he's going to give his son, his only begotten son to this world to go through and allow him to go through, as you read in the Gospels, a horrendous, right, death and sacrifice for us. That's how much our father loves us. 
so much our Father. And as a parent, right, there's nothing harder, I think, in the faith. I think, I think I could suffer for the Lord. I, I can speak, I think, for every parent in here, we would lay our life down for our child. We would take the place of, of our child is that that's a whole nother level of trust, right? Is, is to trust the Lord with our, with our child. But we see that the heart of our Father, He did just that. Send Jesus to come and to make things right so that we would have this incredible hope, right? Uh, to, the conquering of death, the conquering of, of all, the covering of sin, shame, and guilt, and all these things. Um, wow. It says the Lord, then the God, he behold, the man, then the Lord God said, behold, the man has become like one of us in knowing good and evil. Now lest he reach out his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore the Lord God sent him out from the garden of Eden to work the ground from which he was taken. He drove out the man and at the east of the garden of Eden he placed the cherubim and the flaming sword that turned every way to guard the way to the tree of life. Ever since man has tried to find and lay hold of that tree of life again. But heaven in the presence of God and that tree of life was removed. And folks, this is an act of judgment because God is just. And at the same time, this is an incredible, merciful, loving act of God. Because if Adam and Eve had reached out now, because now in, in disobeying, now their eyes are open. Now they're aware of a world that now they're aware of evil. They're, they're, why they're, they knew they were naked. They were aware of sin, the shame, guilt, fear, all of these things flooded into their life. And now they have no capacity. They are relationally dead from God. No longer. They're hiding from God. No longer are they uh, right with God and able to walk and talk with Him. And they, uh, uh, it's in this context, right, that, um, that God comes, right? And He mercy, right, is that He removes the tree of life, right? For we, it picks up again, doesn't it, in heaven? And folks, just to, right, to jump way ahead is Jesus says, no one, no one comes to the Father but through me. No one can be right with God but through me. He says he is the way, he's the truth, he is the life. He is the only way to the tree of life. He's the only way back to Eden, back to a restored and glorious heaven that God talks about in the last part of the Bible of what God has prepared for those who love him and who have a received his redemption, right, and his care um, in their life. And so, um, jump forward with me to Romans um, chapter 3. And we're going to have to do a little work here, because these are passages that we don't hear too often. Paul breaking down the gospel in the book of Romans, and, and, and talking about the massive love of God, that what God has done um, for us, and, and, and the beginning of that has to be an awareness of how tragic, how the, the radical consequences for sin. Not just Adam and Eve's sin, but the sin that is a part of us. Every one of us since that time. Of all mankind, nobody right, has, uh, is free from the uh, consequences of sin, shame, guilt, fear, and death in our lives. We come into the world this way. We need redemption. 
We need God to move. And, and the way to salvation, we can't leapfrog over to the grace and the glory and the goodness of God. We cannot leap forward to that and, and leap past what Paul's dealing with here, which is I have to enter that courtroom with God. I have to sometime in my life really come to grips with my position before God that I have nothing to offer except faith. Receiving that gift from God. I can't offer any religion. I can't offer, uh, all I can offer in, in the beginning of salvation is a brokenness, a surrender. It is a, an awareness that God, I, I can't make sense of all this. Uh, um, it's laying down my arguments. It's laying down my intellect. It's laying, it's not a blind faith. It's a radical faith that is required for salvation, right? And it's a simple faith. It's the, it's the faith that a child, even no matter how young they are, can just simply, and sometimes, as what Jesus says, unless you become like a child, you can't enter the kingdom of God. Sometimes a child gets this more than us adults who are intellect and, and all the traumas in life get in the way. Is oftentimes a child or a youth, as we've seen in Scripture, they have a much easier capacity just to say, yeah, Jesus, I believe. I believe. Right? Now to start walking in that, right? But this is what Paul says. Just to lay out this foundational truth that, folks, we have got to recover in the church today if we're going to see a recovery of the power of the gospel and the spirit right, move among us. And starting in verse um, 9, I'm going to say, For we, this is Paul speaking for this chapter 3 of Romans, For we have already charged that all, both Jews and Greeks, are under sin. This is the entire world are under sin. Now we're going to talk about a few little terms this morning. Um, coming under conviction, um, under sin, um, washed by the blood. These are all old kind of religious terms that have kind of gone out of vogue because, boy, we have shied away from this so much in our culture, even in the church today. But folks, we have got to recover them. It is the very essence of the gospel. You can't have the good news of forgiveness of God unless we completely understand the bad news is that I stand before God guilty, deserving of his judgment. And if that rubs you wrong, then there's just time. We're going to wrestle. We've got to keep wrestling that out, right? And we'll look at Job as an example uh, later on here. But this is what Paul says. And Paul's a good Pharisee. What he does here is he brings together all kinds of passages from the entire Bible, Old Testament, together to make a powerful point. Um, around this that we are all under sin he says none is righteous no not one no one understands no one seeks for god all have turned aside together they've become worthless no one does good not even one their throats are an open grave they use their tongues to deceive the venom of ass is under their lips their mouth is full of curses and bitterness their feet are swift to shed blood in their paths are ruin and misery and the way of peace they have not known there is no fear of god before their eyes paul is defining right there the course of history the course of any human being any a group of humans who reject pursuing God and who hold on to their own agenda. And we see this just lived out, right, in the traumas of history. Of what happens when we do not come and get right before God and we think we can handle sin, shame, and guilt in our own life. The capacity that humans have for evil is just laid out right here. I don't think I have to break that down to show you how bad it can get. But here's where it gets real personal. I have to get personal to realize it, it can get really bad in my life. 
if I run from God, if I, I, if I try to uphold any self-righteousness in my life, any worth before God that I've done in my life, and again, this cuts so hard against culture and everything for decade after decade that we've been trying to teach everybody, oh, you're good. Oh, you're, it's just the opposite. Build yourself up. Build yourself up. When the beginning of salvation, the beginning of real life and abundance and all the fruit of the Spirit begins with a coming down to assess in God's presence the real state of my heart and to stand there and experience right, the forgiveness of God. Let me read on. Now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be stopped, and the whole world may be held accountable to God. God is just, and He's loving. You can't have one of those without the other. And because God is perfectly just, is that He will bring judgment at the right time, but He's so loving that He's provided a way, a solution to what you read in Genesis, and that's through the redemption of the shedding the blood of his son and the resurrection, the killing of death that he was able to accomplish. It is in him and him alone that we receive life, right? And forgiveness and the covering, right, of, of those things. For by works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight. Since through the law comes the knowledge of sin. So folks, at some point in my life, and really ongoing throughout my life, we never leave our born-again experience. We always are forced to come back to it for a lot of different reasons is that we are brought back to this idea of justification. Wow, am I right with you, God? Based on what? Any kind of, but Lord, why did this happen? We've been so good. We've been doing so many good things over here. You know, I've been going to church every Sunday or read my Bible every day, whatever you throw out there. I've been giving so much money, whatever. How could this, I I can't bring any, right? I'm playing games with God, with a just holy God, right? I have to come to him under conviction. This is something, again, we have to restore, right? Um, Romans 8 says that if you're in Christ Jesus No one, right, is under condemnation. There's no condemnation for those in Christ. That's part of the glory of the gospel. But to get there, I have to be under conviction, right? Understand that I need forgiveness. And this is something that is not this idea of just, and I just ask you, when's the last time the Holy Spirit convicted you? Convicted you of sin in your life, in my life. Where he brought me to a place of my sin where I just lowered it and, and, and broke me to a place where I find that we, we all, everyone, this is just universal, right? We've had things we've held on, right? I want to do something certain we know it's not pleasing to God. We continue in it and God just lovingly moves us, chastises us in a loving way to the point where we just, oh, Lord, I, I, give, I lay it before I surrender. Forgive me. And then the breakthrough comes. The freedom comes, right? Um, listen to this, though. This is what just blew Paul a Pharisee away. But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law. Although the law and the prophets bear witness to it, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe, for there is no distinction, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by His grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. There is no other way to be right before God. Except to know Jesus. And to have, um, by faith, believing that He is our righteousness. He is the one who has died for us. And to receive that, it is just a simple childlike, come Jesus, save me. Right? Um, And so, 
couple things. Last week, we just threw out these things. There's only five options to how people in history deal with sin, shame, guilt, fear, fear of death, all these things. There's only five ways. And Adam and Eve showed almost all of these, right? Deny it, right? It's just to go hide from God. Live my life like I don't need, like so much of Aspen. No, I'm just living large. I'm going to just live my life. I don't need God. God doesn't even exist. And just kind of deny Him, right? And run from Him. That's one way to handle it. But sooner or later, right? Whether it's some circumstance in life or whether it's death itself, hopefully not not that far, then it's too late. We will stand before God. Sooner or later, I'm going to have to reckon with standing in the presence of God and give an account before a loving, holy, just God. I can cover it up. Adam and Eve tried with fig leaves. They tried to cover their shame, right? We talked about last week all kinds of ways we do that today. We try to cover it up, right? Um, we could justify it. What did Adam and Eve do? Adam said, no, nah, it's that woman you gave. We start blaming others. We start being the victim. Oh, I'm not responsible for any of this. And folks, we how look at these the cultural things that have snuck. We're not holding anybody responsible to realize, no, we're ultimately responsible for God. I can't blame anybody else for my heart and my soul and my life. I can't blame my circumstances. I can't blame anything. I stand and give response to God based on my own actions and faith or lack of. And the final one we see later in the book of, of uh, Genesis, and we see it now throughout history, especially in our own culture, we just flaunt our shame. We just flaunt blatant disregard for God's law and his holiness, right? But the fifth one is the one that brings life. And it's the only one that brings life. Trust in Jesus. Trust in him. Even in the hard stuff, right? And just in conclusion, I want to just take us on maybe something that will help you. I I, um, have tried to learn and, and and contrasting to people. And this idea of justification, being in the courtroom with God. And all this language here in Romans um, is forensic. It's, it's the law, right? And, uh, and a courtroom, right, is, is about that. You have a judge, right? And, and here's the verdict against you. And how are you going to stand? And what is the, what's the judgment that comes down? And we use this a lot because I think it's just so beautiful, right, is that... Um, the beauty about salvation, what happens at, at salvation when we trust Jesus, even a little child, right, is you're in the presence of God and, and, and you lay it all down and you say, Jesus, I, I, before a holy God, uh, is you stand there and you, you simply, how am I right with God? There's only one option and it is to put our trust in Jesus. When we put our trust in Jesus, though all the scripture talks about Jesus being our advocate. He steps out. He steps out and in front of us and he, uh, Isaiah 61 talks about robing us with his righteousness. And he covers us by faith, right? He covers us. We talked about last week, will you allow God to cover you? Will you allow God to cover and forgive sin, shame, guilt, your, your heart and everything and forgive you and renew you? Or are you going to try to manage that yourself? The way of the world as such. And man, when... When someone receives that, that simple, that, that simple, profound, Jesus, come and save me, wash me, forgive me, is he comes in. And all of a sudden, immediately, we are right with God, not based on any, anything. In other words, if I go into that court and, but God, but God, but God, look, but look, look what I've done. Look what I have. Look how good I am. I will leave, as, as Jesus told parables about this, I will leave unjustified. I will leave, right, 
in a life that is out of fellowship with God rather than receiving His Son, which is the only covering to make things right. Now, I just give you this as an incredible journey um, when it comes to how do I know if I'm right with God? And just to contrast, we could contrast many, but these are profound contrasts. How did Job deal with it? And how did Judas deal with it? I'm going to start with Judas. Judas was one of the 12. Judas was with Jesus' entire ministry. He was in the inner circle of the 12. He saw the miracles. He saw the love of Jesus. He saw Jesus' compassion for the crowds. And he saw all of that. He, 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 saw, he saw the, just go down the list of what, he, what only you could, we could dream about experiencing, right? He was there the whole time. But what was Judas' problem? He never surrendered to God's agenda. He was that close. He saw it all. But he still, he, in his own soul, he never went to the courtroom. He never got right with God. He had his own agenda that he was more committed to. This is, what you, this is God what you need to do. Jesus, you are not doing this right. We need to let the Romans have it. Jesus, you're not showing yourself powerful enough. Don't go to the cross. This is, a, this is a weak thing. We need to make you powerful, right? We need to force your hand, right, to do something great, right? And look what happened to Jesus' heart. The long, if you just track his heart, it hardened, it hardened, it hardened. Even while he was in the very presence of Jesus, while Jesus was on the earth. And to the very end, rather than repentance... Judas's heart moved to rebellion. And folks, there's only two ways to go in this world. There is no, there is no neutral kind of zone. I, my heart is either hardening towards God, going the way of the world, or my heart is softening as I lean in, right, to God. There is no, Jesus said it very clear, right? You're either for me or against me. He left no option, middle option. And... um. And so what do we see Judas do? Is we see that that just hardens his heart more and more. And we have that little, John gives that little insight into John with the woman who sacrificed, you know, just worship God with the oil. And, and Judas is back there judging. Look at his heart. Wow, we could have sold that and given it to the poor. Wow. And finally, right, his, his deception, even on the night, even where Jesus gives another out the very last night, is there's one among us who's going to betray me. And everybody's like, who, who, is it me? Is it who? Judas had an opportunity there. But even in the darkness, the hardness and goes. And then we know the darkness even got worse, right? And moved him, right, to ultimate rebellion. And he ended his life, right? Never softening, never giving his heart to God. Now, the other option is Job. And folks, Job is in the Old Testament because Job is, you, you look at his story and and um, we, we think we have tragedy in our life. Is I don't know if you could have presented a, a scenario where things could be any worse, right? If you're not familiar with the story of Job, is go read it. But uh, uh, he, he, uh, God allowed, somehow, God in his love allowed Job's faith to be tested. It said that he was more righteous than anyone in the land. He was living right with God even. Wow. His family was taken, all of his children killed, every bit of his wealth taken away, his own body was put under. I don't know what else you could throw his way. You had invaders come in and wipe the land out. I mean, it was, it is, it's the picture of the worst of the worst of the worst situation you could ever have. What did Job do? Right, the, 
Though my Savior, though my Lord slay me, I will, I will what? I will trust Him. And the battle of His friends coming and trying to articulate, make sense out of what happened. They, you know, in all their wisdom and philosophy they, and their shepherding, they tried to make sense of the tragedy and, 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 you know, and what God, you know, at the end said, none of, you know, is Job had to pray for them. Right? Because he was trying to, they were trying to right, put things into a formula. God, Job, you must have done this to get this kind of, of tragedy in your life. And God dealt with them on that. Right? There is no answer. And did God ever give Job an answer? Here's the tough part. And what did Job do? He stayed. He, in, in, in the utter like, despair, he stayed in the presence of God. He, now, how did Job talk to God? He demanded Right? God, you, this is your word. This is what I've done. Let's go to the courtroom. Let's have this thing out. I need to hear from you. You need to answer me, God. That's healthy. That's healthy. As long as it doesn't move to the hardening of my heart or it doesn't move to where I start, right, saying, God, you can't be good. If I start down that road, I'm in big, big, big trouble. God, Job never. Right, never waffled on who God was, never, never uh, uh, condemned his character. But boy, did he let him have it. Did he let him have it about what had happened to him in the tragedy? And he said himself, even with all the wrong counsel, even with all the people trying to make sense of it for Job, is that Job stayed true and waited on God. He waited on God to speak. I'm going to hear from God. However long this takes, I know he's going to break through. But did God ever really answer him? Oh, God showed up in a powerful way. Just read it. But this is faith. And folks, this is the courtroom of God. This is every one of our lives, whether it's I'm dealing with some, whatever the issues I'm dealing with, am I willing to go? And if I just don't feel right with God, am I willing to go and sit and wait on God Right to God, you speak and just be boldly pray before God. God, bring your word, bring your truth. I need to hear from you. I need you to come into my life. Right? Um, just let's just like let's talk about just all the emotional traumas today. Why are we not talking to God more boldly? God, you promised those who love you the fruit of the Spirit: love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness. That's what you promised. I'm in the midst of despair right now, whether it's for me or for somebody else. I need you to move. That's how God's people are to pray. Because half the time God is up there thinking, I don't think they really trust me. And they're bouncing out to a thousand other solutions rather than what God said. Does this make sense? That's faith. I'm not going to bounce out to anything else. I'm going to go to his word. And this is what you promised God. And I'm going to hold it before you. I'm standing in this place. And I expect that. You promised peace that surpassed all understanding. God, I'm standing here, but I'm not at peace right now. I'm not right with this situation that's going on. And I'm not right with this evil. God, I need you to move. Right? Now be ready for God to move. Just remember Job. God didn't come and give him an answer. What did God do? (laughs) Job, pull your bootstraps up. Get ready to meet with me. Who are you? Who are you, Job, to question me? And the whirlwind came. And Job and God had this powerful encounter where Job was broken. God, you know all. I trust you. What did God do in response to Job's repentance? Job did not sit there. I demand an answer. 
Job was satisfied with meeting with God. That's faith. That's trust. And when God showed up, what did he do? He restored. He redeemed. Right? He blessed Job tenfold. And folks, that's just a picture of today of the gospel and our faith. What God wants to do with us is if we stay, if we we don't run, we don't hide, but we just keep going with our anger, with our disappointment, with bring it all to God and and, 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 and stay in that courtroom and and, and, and say, God, God, you and you alone have made me righteous. You and you alone, God, have allowed me to stand in your presence and talk to you boldly based on your word, not by my religion, not by my good works, solely based upon what your son has done for me. I'm your child, Father. I need to hear from you. Folks, where is that kind of, where's that kind of spirituality today in the church? Where's that kind of depth, right, to wrestle with it? Sadly, many are going the way of Judas, right? Whether it's a cultural issue today, and I'm just going to go at this, right? Is I'm here to tell you the church needs a wake-up call um, because we're going to stand and give an account before God. When it comes to our flirting with the things that culture is espousing, they're clearly against God's heart and we're waffling over it. We're, we're playing games with it. Rather than getting right with God and having repentance, God, I'm sorry for affirming, sorry for, for even entertaining that, that these things might be okay with you and coming and being renewed, right, in the presence of a holy God. Right? Those kind of things, that kind of game, stuff's going on across the board today until God's people get sure of who they are following. Until we, and we wonder why we don't see God move in real radical ways anymore. Number one, because we don't pray like that. Number two is because we're not willing to completely submit to what his word says. We're playing games. We're coddling what culture says over here. You, none of us, none of us will ever have a transformative encounter with God if I am over here living or affirming something that God God does not approve of. I'm out of fellowship. I, I'm hiding from God, right? I'm coddling my own agenda like Judas is, coddling my own idea over here rather than a repentance and a brokenness before God. Lord, I don't understand this, but I trust you. I trust you. And I'm going to stand upon this truth. And young people, if there's anything, I know that everybody's talking about, wow, our young people in the we need to coddle them. Man, we need to really comfort them. No, we don't. What the millennials need today more than anything is parents who are going to stand up and hold them responsible, point them radically to the truth, and call upon them to make a decision for God and stand on his truth like Daniel and his friends. We don't need any more coddling, right? We need to engage the truth and call them to abundant life. It's the only place, right, where their lives are going to radically make sense and come alive. Does that make sense? The culture is just doing absolute opposite, right? Heavy empathy, heavy all these things. Don't get me wrong. Of course we walk with people and we're loving, but we do not waver on the truth and what brings life and brings life abundance is we point people, we hold them to the truth, right? And to wrestle with, man, are you right with God? Are you right with Him? This first needs to happen in the church with all of our lives. Man, am I right with Him? Right? Or am I over here? Am I hiding from Him? Am I playing games with Him? We got to come to the courtroom. I got to get right. I got to stand before God, the only one who will rightly judge me according to His truth and His word, and just submit 
And in that place, man, the grace of God pours out the renewal, the forgiveness of God. Right, pours out in that place. Does that make sense, gang? I, I just want to wake us up how far down the road of wimpy spirituality we are. We've abandoned the truth. And we, this is why God is not moving, I believe, with all my heart and soul. is because we're not praying. And you can only pray boldly. Think about this. I can only go before God boldly if I know I'm right with God. Think about that. If, I, if I'm over here and I'm coddling something I know or doing something I know just blatantly that God disapproves of, I have no confidence or assurance before God. Therefore, my prayers are weak. Man, the fire, the movement. What does it say in the book of James, right? It says, you're like uh, uh, Elijah. You can pray and have it stop rain. But it says what? A righteous person's prayer availeth much. I want that to ring home. A righteous person. And we immediately think, oh, that's somebody who's being really good. No, no, no. That's somebody who's gone before God and repented and who is right before God, not based on their own works, but because they've embraced the gospel of God. They've gotten real with God. Does that make sense? And they've done the work that's required to be honest before God. And so, folks, this lack of confidence before God, we've got to just, we've got to just expose it. We've got to pull it back in our lives and, and say, Lord, just come on. Come on in. Speak it out. This is why we have to lock arms. None of this deep work can be done in isolation. I shouldn't say none. But the power of this is, is when we lock arms with others who hold us accountable, who love us, who journey us. Because let's just say, we all know, right? Life is going to throw us some big curveballs. Every one of us, we will not escape from having to deal with death and tragedy and trauma and just go down the list of things, right? I can look around this room and see, right, the stories, see the trauma. We can all speak of that. And we need, this is the love of the body. We need to embrace each other because, you know what, my faith wavers sometimes, right? Especially in light of this recent tragedy to to make sense. God, what? To make sense of this, we need Strong arm. We need arms to hold up each other, right? And pray for each other and to bring strength because, man, we can't do it alone. And that's how God's built it. Do you know that? That's called the body of Christ, the family of God. To uphold, it says, strengthen each other. Bear one another's burdens. Man, again, what does our culture say? No, 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 you go isolate. You, you autonomous self, you can do it yourself. It's just, it's so radically contrary to the way of God. Right? This needs to be restored right today. And so I just throw this out to you this morning. I ask you deeply this morning, are you right with God? Are you right with Him? And folks, I, I, what I mean by that is not have you worked everything out in the courtroom with God, but are you willing to go there like Job? Are you willing to take every one of your big questions, every bit of your hurt, every bit of who you are, all of the things that you... You, everything. Are you willing to bring it to him, right, and be exposed before him? Remember, he says he knows everything. He already knows. Every thought you have, every thought I have, every action. So why would we, why would we try to hide thinking that that is going, or go out into the world and, and use all the numbing effects the world has to hide us from that? Why do that? What I'm talking about is, am I willing to come and be in that place Lean into the arms of other believers and wait on God to do something awesome. To heal, renew, restore all the work that only God can do. Are you willing?
So Father, thank you, Lord, for your word this morning. And uh, Lord, Holy Spirit, just move. Just move. Do what we can't do. Do what I can't say. Do what your word says, Holy Spirit. And bring your comfort. Bring your conviction. Lord, we want to meet with you. I pray for anybody here, Lord, who's, man, who's running and hiding. Lord, we all are tempted to do that. May this morning, the first step, Lord, may we just turn towards you like Job and just be willing to put all of our questions, all of our stuff in your lap and, and wait on your response. Yeah, Lord. And as always, Father, if anybody's here and they don't know you, they don't know the right with you in the, in the first sense, in the, in the saving sense of that first, just simple, Jesus, come save me. Lord, save them this morning. Let them not leave here, Lord. Stir their soul this morning to just pray with somebody. Childlike prayer. I want to start this journey. Don't have it all figured out, but Jesus, I, I just want to start a journey of trusting you this morning, God. So Lord, come. As we prepare to come to your table, Lord, meet us. You know exactly where each of our hearts are at. You know what each of us is dealing with. Lord, you know the burdens. You know the pain. Come meet us. Yeah, we trust you, Jesus. We trust you, Lord. It's in your name, Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message. To hear other messages or learn more about Crossroads Church, visit our website at ccaspen.com. 